Welcome to The Red Dove. We're women storytellers and our stories center on Black women, activism, and mental health. I'm Liz. I'm Blue. And I'm Rainy. And tonight's episode is totally out of the box, like Monty Python, and now for something completely different. But we recorded this while we were recording the Ella Baker episode. This is content that would usually be reserved for our Director's Cut episode. But tonight, just to switch it up, we are giving you free access to what a Director's Cut episode would include. And we just wanted to do an intro because just to set it up, Rainy and I are talking about the show Bridgerton. So good. And so when this when this episode drops, it's just like you're just going to come right into the conversation. So just wanted to pop on and give this intro. So to give it some context is what you're about to hear. So please enjoy. And if you like this, sign up for our Patreon. And every episode that we release every week will have like extra content, like what you're about to hear right now in our director's cut. And if you want to find our Patreon, the link is on our new website, thereddovepodcast.com. So go check it out and sign up for our Patreon. And thanks as always for listening. Um, The main love interest this season is a dark-skinned Indian woman, which I'm really loving. Oh, don't follow the black male and the white woman forever and ever. No, no. It's okay. only one. I season. like that. So it's each of all of the Bridgertons are siblings. There are eight of them. So each season goes about how each sibling finds love. Wow. Okay. So is the black man one of the siblings? No, he is one of the guys who marries into the family. So the black guy ever. Oh God, he was so hot. Oh my God. Yeah. He, so he marries the white woman yeah so and you know it goes through because the first one like you know you have the diamond of the season you know and the whole point is to get married but I like that it explores like you know you have one sister who's like I'd rather be a spinster I don't want to get married I don't want to be somebody else's like the whole patriarchy should die (laughs) (laughs) they lose their property (laughs) yeah right yeah you have you kind of see what happens with you know these patriarch led societies, you know, like when a father dies and what happens to the wife and the children. And, you know, like in the Bridgerton family, the father died. So now everything goes to the oldest son, even though, you know, it's like, well, his mother, but because she's a woman. Wow. So now this, this son who's like 30 years old and who's a main love interest this season, you see that he has to step into the role of his father and, you know, take care of all of his sisters, make sure he's paying off the dowries for his sisters, make sure that he's finding good matches. And, you know, the social, the social thing about it too, right? Like it's such a big deal, the social hierarchy and making one faux pas, like, you know, his sister almost got in trouble because this jerk of a guy, you know, put her in a compromising situation, but you see how she was the one who would have had to deal with the consequences of that behavior. Right. And it almost ruined her. Wow. So it's, it's really great. I really like it. But then I also really like that they just take race out of it completely. Like they mentioned grace. Race. Oh, race. <laughs> You're like, who the hell? <laughs> yeah, they just take race out of it. Like, you know, not it's not being colorblind. It's right. Just, it it doesn't move the story forward. 
Because then they can get away with that being in an alternate universe. So you're not disrespecting. Exactly. And then it's so nice to have like, you know, the queen, the lady who heads it all. It's this really, really prominent black woman. She loves her gossip. I love to see it. Bring me my gossip, do your things. You know, you have, you know, biracial women, you know, women who are, you know, not conventionally beautiful, like, you know, really, really short and curvy and things like that. Like you have all of these different mixtures of people, you have Royals and, you know, one of the Royals that's coming in, you know, she talks about how she's from India and she does like, like she plays a piano forte, but she also plays like these really traditional Indian things. And, you know, she speaks Hindi and English and French and, you know, even the gowns she wears, you can see that it brings that Indian culture in and shows like how fancy and how in society she is while still holding on to her Indian background. That's okay. I will check this out. That sounds awesome. It is so good. It's so well done. I mean, you know, Shonda Rhimes does it. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. (gasps) Okay. That's on the bucket list. Anything Shonda does, I'm in. Right. You're like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know it was like that. Yeah. Shonda Rhimes. (laughs) It's it's a Shonda Land uh, production. Oh, great! I um, I I saw it and I was intrigued, and but I didn't know it was by her. I would have jumped in. I was just like a little like, oh, are we just inserting? Like, is this the white female fantasy being with the black guy? Like, I didn't know what the universe looked like. Yeah, so now I'm really intrigued. It's fantastic because it, it that it doesn't play into that at all. You know, she's like, I just am in love with you because I'm in love with you. You know, you have none of those background baggage of, you know, like, you know, you know, white females being harmful to black males, things like that, because it's a different universe. It's like, what if we had never, what if we had stopped all of this a long time ago? Oh, I wish Ida could have lived in that kind of a universe. She would, she would thrive. God, watching it, she would just be like the bell of the ball. Yes. And it's beautiful. I mean, you have very, very dark skinned women who are, you know, points of interest and beauty. You know, you see men, you know, looking at them as, oh my God, you're gorgeous too. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not this, you know, Eurocentric idea of beauty. It's just like the beauty of all women. I love it. It's fantastic. You will love it. It's so good. And you're just like, oh my God, I'm so invested. (laughs) And the political intrigue, right? Like I watch Game of Thrones, you know, I'm no prude. I'm like, you know, I'll watch sex and stuff, nudity. I'm like, oh my God. And then I'll watch that. And I'm like, oh my God, she was alone with him? (laughs) Because it's more romantic where like Game of Thrones is so violent. Yeah. And yeah, like I don't enjoy Game of Thrones, the sexual violence like not just game of thrones any type of like sexual violence depiction i literally will get faint and when i was in eighth grade and uh ninth grade i remember literally fainting in class it was so embarrassing and just i don't know what it is it's just that i i could that type of violence that's how i react i could watch a straight up action Bruce Willis, you know, typical, right. like, you know, Heads I had no problem and stuff, but yeah, no problem. It's like, once we get into sexual violence, anything being internally inserted as torture on a woman, like just, okay. So the red wedding of game of Thrones. Oh my God. 
and yet like sexual violence stuff i i, I can't even sit no. through it i hear you there we all have those things for me yeah we all have those yeah that's just like me yeah, yeah. it's just weird I, I don't like it either but for me where i'm like i absolutely cannot is any kind of violence against children Ooh, yes like, you know that movie for colored girls no uh it was um it, it was a movie that came out like gosh, 20 years ago. And it, it's a good movie, but it fucked me up so bad because of what happens to the little girls at the end. Like wow. I, I like it, that movie to this day bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, and I, I remember just crying and I did not feel right for a long time after watching that. And I was like, I never in my life have to see anything like that again. Like it was just in the minute, like I'm watching something and I'm like, Oh, something happens to a child. I'm like, I'm out. I can't, I, I, cannot like it just makes me feel so sick to my stomach like the Mm -hmm. idea of children being harmed in any kind of way I'm like I can't I can't that's why like I can't watch like you know like law and order like SVU and stuff oh no I stopped watching that shit when I was pregnant I don't know what it was but once I got pregnant and what because I watched it before I was pregnant and turned it on when I was pregnant Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. no the room that was a movie. It won some awards. It's sort of like, oh, the other room. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the old classic, the the cult classic, The Room. And I was like, what's wrong with that? That's hilarious. It's terrible. <laughs> okay, we you... need another discussion on that because I don't even know that one. Oh, did you ever see the movie The Disaster Artist with uh, no. Frank? They did a spoof and that was basically how The Room was made. It is like the worst movie. It's some people consider it the worst movie ever made. It is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it is it is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I die laughing. I love watching it with people who haven't watched it just to watch them be like, what the fuck is this? Oh my God. So, yeah, I don't think we're talking about the same room. Right. <laughs> it's so disturbing. Yeah, right. This one, I didn't watch it. Um, it did win like Academy Awards or whatever. It, it's like, remember that guy in Ohio that had the women in his room for years or his house for years? Yes, yeah. It's, it's that. Mm-mm. it's that um but you're the, the main character it's not a bunch of women it's one woman and that is what happens to her she has a child through a, a, a rape encounter with her captor mm. the child is born in the room the child has only been in the room for his entire existence mom kind of makes it like a game or something like it's not fucked up like she doesn't tell him what his what's really going on as a way to like kind of help him or her i'm sorry i don't even know what the gender of the child is and i think eventually they escape i don't know never saw it but i was like fuck no like i i get a physical reaction like to seeing that stuff towards kids i just don't know it's like Mm -hmm. it's like trauma porn it's like i Mm. it's too much it's too like even like when I'm reading stuff or listening to the dollop and they start mentioning any of that, I'm like, that's my, that's my big line. I'm like, nope, anything that, yeah. I I mean, I don't like sexual violence at all either, but my, my constitution for when it comes with kids is just like, it's instant. Like I gotta go. Like I watched, do you remember Mm -hmm. that movie precious? Yes. Another film I could not watch because I, what they did to her, it was terrible me and my sister watched it and at the oh end no because the def- mom's highly abusive oh my god it was horrendous it, i mean mm. like 
Monique it was such, excellent. It was just so. Oh yeah. Terrific. I mean, Monique did such a wonderful job with yes. that role. I mean, yes. like it was, it was, I forgot who she was. And I was like, this is the most horrible person I've ever seen. It's like mm. Denzel Washington and training day when you, you forget who they are. They're acting so well, so well, but it was like it, it that movie also super disturbing. I was like, I can't. And like the end, I remember looking at my sister and I was like, I don't, I don't feel good having watched that. Like it wasn't a movie that I was like, I'm glad I watched that. It was like a, I wish I had never seen it. It was great. It was a good movie. Like it was a story. Her story needs to be told. I'm just not one of the people that needs to hear that kind of a story. You know what I mean? Or see it. Is it the visual thing? The the visuals and and, and then the the auditory combination, like sound and visual watching it, it really takes me somewhere that I don't feel when I read. In fact, I'm such a scaredy cat about uh, just straight up horror, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Same. Never saw it. But I read the Wikipedia, so I know what the plot is. I'm the same way. Really? I will read the scary movies. I'm like, yes. just in case I'm walking around and it jumps out and I'm suddenly watching the movie. I know. Oh, what I'm happens. just in case I'm in like some sort of um, like quizos <laughs> or, or, or board game with couples. And I need yeah. to know shit. <laughs> I know this strictly from studying and research. That happened one time back in the army when we were in the army. Um, we were the like a couple's night and it was the men versus will, women uh-huh. board game. Remember yeah. that old or the battle of the sexes? That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And there was a talking or not talk. Um, there was a uh, Texas chainsaw question and I got it for the girls simply because I had read that. <laughs> right. You're like, no, no, it's not because I enjoy any of this. Nope. <laughs> I'm so, yeah, same. I think it's like the combo with the with for with the visual plus the audio because it doesn't do it to me when I'm reading the the uh the plot summaries yeah yeah I'm the same like I mean like it doesn't feel great but yeah it's just mm-hmm. any sort of representation of it you're just like mm-hmm. no. yeah I absolutely cannot cannot do it like that that you remember that book a child called it yes now well, that's an exception to me being able to read shit I read it and it's one of those things. I read it, God, when I was like 18 or 19, they made me read it in a class. Oh God. And I was like, why? And they're like, you know, so you understand child abuse. So it's like, I, I understand it. And I hate that there are children who have to live through this, but I personally did not need to be immersed in this to feel empathy and, and sympathetic and want better for children. Like I don't need all of that exposure to have the need to call CPS when I have any suspicions, right? Like I didn't need that to be like, this is what could be happening. Like I already knew, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost yes. like here, let's convince you why you have to call. Like, no, no, I, I, I would call regardless. I didn't need this. It should be assigned to people or, or optional where it's like someone could do that. But, and then to get the same lesson yeah, outcome, you could do something else to arrive there. Cause I really don't think, and then I don't think um, just, if anyone is a survivor of that and then in uh, education, trying to become a teacher, I don't think that it's fair to subject them to a fictional story where it's depicting that. And I don't, I don't think the sensitivities of the students are being taken into account when teachers do that. I agree. Uh, The child called it, wasn't there allegations after it came out it was fake 
I think there were some allegations, but I think that they were proven that it, it did happen because you can look really. Up, yeah, because it happened here in California. Oh, dear. I remember it was on. Wasn't it an Oprah book? Yeah, that's that's how because I love Oprah. Yeah. And then she got or they tried to throw some shade and mud on her mm-hmm. for recommending it. And that's why it always I always remember. Are that. you thinking of a million little pieces? Because yes. that's the one that was fake. And she got flack for that, for pushing that. And she's like, I didn't know. Like no one else knew. Thank you. That's what it was. Yeah, that it was. It wasn't that like kind of like a glass castle. Yeah. Yeah. Image. Like, yeah. yeah. Or no, no. It was actually a hand that was covered in sprinkles. Okay. Not even close. <laughs> Where was I getting the glass castle? <laughs> it's like, no, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was a hand. It was a blue cover with a hand covered in sprinkles. And that was, that was debunked. Yeah. That, that okay. one was on her list because she loved it. And then that, mm. it turned out that that guy made up all of that. He was an older white guy. But a child called it was true. And that was on Oprah's list too. Oprah's list, a lot of them are highly disturbing to read. Yeah. I'm like, are you okay, Oprah? Right. <laughs> like, like, I know you're rich and you have a hard time, like, you know, connecting with reality. But I mean, this also, like, you're going too far, Oprah. <laughs> like, yeah. If this really is what you recommend, as in you actually read this, then we are getting a, a big insight into who you are. Yeah. And it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, what would I recommend? I'm like, oh, it has a lot to do with fairies and unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where I'm like, yay. <laughs> I can't think of it now, but there's a there's a YA series about fairies that uh, my sister Shonda recommended. I still have the book. I've had it for like six months, but oh, please um, tell me because that's I'm so into YA. Like, yes, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's Shonda's as well. Shonda is an avid reader. And we're actually in a book club. That's when I read that book um, by Octavia Butler, Kindred. There's mm-hmm. another, do not read it if you're not into trauma porn. This is a modern day woman that goes back in time and is an enslaved person. Oh, God, and the things no. that she sees oh, and survives. Highly disturbing. About, they made a movie about that. Did or they? Like, I know yeah. that uh, Janine Cook, uh, Harriet's bookshop owner, she said that FX is making it into a TV series. They already did. Oh, okay. They made it a movie too. Cause I remember reading about it and people were like, that's exactly what they said. They're like, this is just trauma porn. Like, it's just like, Hey, what would happen if you took a modern day black woman and put her back in time and enslaved her? And you're like, Oh, exactly what I thought would be happen. I was going to say the same horrible. thing. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst. And she's just like, what the fuck is happening? And it's hard for her to cope because she hasn't been assimilated like that. So she, she, she runs into all of these problems because of that. I heard it's the same thing for Lovecraft. Uh, who did that? It, it's Butler. HBO. Oh, 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 Yes. But, but people loved it. But yeah, it was really violent. Yeah, that's what I heard. Like, there's a lot of just like kind of almost hopeless violence. Like, ugh, this doesn't gonna, this isn't going to get better. They didn't come back with another season on that, though. Which I think a lot of fans were also mad about. Yeah. Because they, they loved it. I'm trying to get the book, the Octavia Butler book. Remember the book she wrote? It was in 1998. Um, and it was to take the setting was 
I don't know, 2030, 2080. Mm-hmm. It was a dystopian future with a white cisgendered male Christian as a leader whose campaign slogan, I'm not shitting you, was make America great again. Yes. Yeah, you're like Fabregas. Yeah, I'm trying to get the name of it. She wrote this shit in 1998. It was literally living through the Trump years. Yes. It's a series. I think there's. it's the second book in uh, a series that she wrote. I don't even want to say the word series, but she wrote multiple books in that universe where you're following characters. Like the main character I think you follow, she gets out or something. Oh my God. Liz? Liz? (laughs) Like... Liz, <laughs> I'm trying to find it. My copy has a red dove on the on the cover. And I was like, "How is it a red dove?" But I don't know. Here we go. I'm, I'm still a little floored about that book. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, and it touches um, climate change and social inequality. Oh, it's the not. "Make America Great" slogan for me. I was like, "Fucking a! This is this shit's crazy." Right. That's like why I couldn't watch The Handmaid's Tale after like the first season. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like this, this doesn't feel like fiction. This feels like uh, prof- pro- like prophetic almost. Especially the books were interesting. The books, the main character, whatever her name is, mm-hmm. she gets out. There's a whole world outside of their little kingdom that are like resistance fighters. Yeah. And then in the end, do you know the end? Mm-mm. They get in spaceships oh. and get out for thousands and thousands of years. Then they wake up. And I forget this, the true ending, but yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. a turn. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> that, yeah. And as a book lover, I think you, that you would enjoy it because it, it, it gets super sci-fi. Like I kind mm-hmm. of, I like it and I could I've never watched this I think I've caught like scenes yeah you know and I never uh too real yeah that's what I was like I was like it's well done but it was also like I don't see how this is ever going to get better and Trump is president and all of this feels way too likely so I need to stop because I was like I'm so depressed this is the worst here it is oh did you find it yeah I think I found it it's a dystopian novel. Yeah, I know that was called. The Parable of the Talents. It is the second book in Octavia Butler's Earth Seed series. And it won the Hugo and Nebula award-winning science fiction. Um, Octavia Butler gave a Senator Andrew Steele Jarrett a violent autocrat in the year 2032, whose, quote, supporters have been known to form mobs end quote. Jared's political opponent, Vice President Edward J. Smith, calls him a demagogue, a rabble rouser, and a hypocrite. And uh, most persistently, Jared rallies his crowds with the call to make America great again. Oh, my God. The power. What's it called? The the parable of the talents. That's a Bible story. Oh, I wonder talents. It's about this um this master or whatever, and he gives his three he gives his three servants money. Like it give, he gives like ten to one, 
10 gold pieces to one, like six to another and like three to another. So the one with 10 goes and he comes back with like a hundred. He's like, look, I've, I've increased what you've done. And the other guy comes back and he comes back with nothing. And the last guy, he doesn't spend any of his talents. And, you know, the, the master gets upset with him. He was like, you know, I gave you these talents to go and use. He's like, I was afraid that I wouldn't come back with anything. And he's like, you, I'm giving you talents. You need to go use them. Like you shouldn't be worried about what sh- what you're going to come back with or, or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder how it, it, it connects to, cause I'm sure that was purposeful. Yeah. It's part of her earth seed series. It's the second book. Okay. Um, I'm not saying it to, to read it, but it was now just, I know. Yeah. She's amazing. Good Lord. I'm like looking it up now and I'm just, <laughs> do you think that Trump got that from here? I doubt that man yeah. has ever picked up an Octavia Butler. <laughs> Correction. That man has never picked up a book. <coughs> Except the Bible, like, but it was upside down. He hasn't picked up, picked up any book. Let's be real. Except his own. What was it? The art of the trade or something. I don't even. He that he didn't even read that. He didn't read that. He didn't write it. He didn't write it either. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything about him is like a charlatan. Like he reminds me of the music man that comes and tries to sell them all those equipment, the snake oils and stuff. Yes. 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 With like the shoddy hat and like, you know, the, the tweed coat with like the patches around his, he's like, come on up. And you're just like, oh. yeah, just like that. I saw you making that in the Creek two hours ago. <laughs> oh yeah. I will probably not we'll read that for a bit. <laughs> I, I, I like escapism. I've been watching, actually, um, I know you're not into Dungeons and Dragons, but there's this really great series and it kind of has all of the fun of Dungeons and Dragons without the commitment. Okay. It's on like, Amazon. is it one of those, like you can interact, like you can choose? No, you can't choose, okay. but it's cool because it's called The Legend of Vox Machina and it's animated. It's on Amazon Prime. I'm sure TJ would really like it too. And basically it's a... Have you ever heard of the series Critical Role? No. So it's this uh, series and it's actually these uh, famous voice actors and they are playing Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, they have all of their voices and they're acting as these characters. And it's like this long, long series online that's been going on for years. And so they animated one of their adventures. So so you can watch how it's played. So it's so funny because if you're watching, you're like, this is what would happen if you were watching how the game is played in real life, you know? So you have these characters who, you know, you see one character and he's like about to do something with a bow and arrow and he like trips and like the bow and arrow, like shoots off into the distance, like hits someone. You're like, Oh, that's what people are talking about when you're like, Oh, I rolled a natural one. And like, you know, my shit went everywhere, you know? So that's perfect because it's bringing it's bringing the imagination to life. And like if you're a casual player or if you've never done it, I think that could really bring in a whole new set of um, participants. It really is because it's like this high fantasy, you know, and you're thinking like Lord of the Rings and they're all going to talk properly. But then they're like regular people. So, you know, they come up in front of the queen. They're like, yeah, let's go fuck shit up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the queen's like, fuck shit up. What, What are you talking about? Like, yeah. But uh, do you have beer? We'd like to get drunk before we go. You know, and this so, is all animated. It's all animated. But cool. the players who played these characters for real, they come back to voice their characters. 
So it's nice. It's real. It is hilarious. Like the very first opening scene, like it's this epic, like you have this whole like uh party, like, you know, this wizard who's like, you know, doing spells. And like, you have like this, this barbarian with an ax and you see them, they're about to like fight. They're like, Let's do this. And then you just, they just get decimated. You just hear like, oh my God, what is that? And they're just dying. <laughs> And they're like, oh yeah, the story isn't about these heroes. The story is about these heroes. And it cuts to a tavern where you see these, these group of friends and they're like just piss ass drunk and fucking up. And you know, they're like, <laughs> we don't have any money to pay for any of this. And it's so funny. It reminds like, me of the movie, The Other Guys. That's exactly what it's like. It, it <laughs> is, except in high fantasy, you know, you have like this little gnome <laughs> named Scanlan who you see him and he's like, shorter than everyone but he's got game like he just beds everything that moves oh dear it's so he's such a he's such a romantic and everyone's like oh my god hello and you're like he's like can you change who you are or are whatever you are that's what you are every game you play no like it depends on the campaign like if your character dies you have to roll a new character but uh you get to choose who your character is and then you go through the adventures and if you want to change it you just have to talk to your dm because you know, all of the things are happening in story. So, you know, you can't like be hanging out in your game and, you know, you all of a sudden your best bud who has been a cleric and healer all the time suddenly is like, well, now suddenly you're a dragon. Why? You know, so you have to be able to make it make sense. And the DM is the person that writes the whole stories and narratives. Yeah. So they know all of the stuff that's going to happen. Well, they don't know everything. Right. So they have like an outline, right? Like I know that at this point, these guys are hiding in the in the distance and however they roll they'll jump out the big overarching story is they don't know that there's this dragon's lair and stuff so then he just kind of reads to the players like so you're walking through the forest what do you do next what do you do next and he lets the sto- the players kind of help him tell the story does he have like if the players do this then this is the outcome but if they do this, then this, so he's almost writing multiple outcomes. Is that how it would work? Exactly. But sometimes he just kind of goes off of it and it's like, okay, let's try this. Like I've played and we were like, we're convinced that this is really important. And later he was like, I made all of that up. You guys fucked up real bad. Like I didn't know where you guys were going. So I was literally making up this evil book, hoping you guys would just get rid of it. And you just kept holding on to it. So I had to just figure out what to do on the fly on the fly so it takes a lot of imagination but it's a lot of fun too but you don't always have to write them so dungeon masters you can write your own but they have a lot that are pre-written already oh okay so you can just kind of read through and you make it happen and you have the outline but again what the players do is going to change things so you know if I'm like you know you're like oh I have all these characters in the background that are going to sneak attack you but then I'm like well I rolled a natural 20 and I'm like well I never mind I guess that's not, that's not going to happen because he rolled so well. So you guys walk through. Uh, does know, his dungeon master participate? Does he have a car or, or she? He plays all of the NPCs, which means non-player characters. So okay. he plays the villain. He plays the monsters. He plays the villagers. When you go and ask questions like, well, what are we doing? Or the mayor, all of the other players that need to interact, he plays them all. Ah, have you ever been a dungeon master? I have. I've done it once with my family and it took a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun because like my brother rolled a natural one and he was like, oh shit. 
And I was like, all right, so you threw your dagger and uh, it bounced off of a door handle and then it bounced off of a rock and it impaled itself in and I rolled to see what had happened. I was like, and it impaled itself in dad's head. Oh, and he's like, what? And I was like, roll for damage. How much damage do you take from that? He's like, oh my God, he did 15 points of damage. I was like, yep. And now you're stunned because you got hit in the face with the dagger from your teammate. Did you write your stories or did you use a pre-writ? I used both. I used a pre-writ, but then I was like, ah, I don't like all of this. So I'm going to change it to make it work better for my party. That is a lot of fun. So when I come out there, if you think you'd ever want to, I would love, I would totally do like a one-shot game with you if you'd love to of course learn always open yeah why not yeah I think you would like it I think it's really fun with as far as the escapism it really is just like I am now a I'm I'm now a dwarf I'm a dwarf and I have (laughs) like and and you get so into your characters like I've had my same character since August of last year his name is Barry he is a dragonborn. He's seven feet tall. He is chaotic neutral. Like he just does shit. He's a tank. He doesn't like bathing. He is suspicious of anybody who's nice to him. He sponsors an orphanage and he, he's so he, complicated. He's so complicated. He's <laughs> in the third person. He only speaks in the third person and he, Oh, how pretentious. I know. Right. But not in a great <laughs> way. Like in a, like Barry doesn't like this. fuck shit up like very simple he's not very smart but he's got great charisma he like can walk into a room smelling as terrible as he is and was like but ladies and then okay what's up Barry like I can I can hold my breath for a while (laughs) so there's a lot going on with him I remember one time I was playing with my sister my sister was pissing me off like big time and I was like, you know, her character is like this obnoxious elf, just pretentious and just an asshole. And she's like, you know, Barry, you're not even smart enough to do this. And I'm like, Barry's smart enough to punch you in the face. And my Ooh. DM's like, are you actually going to punch her? I was like, yes. And he's like, roll for it. I rolled and I rolled a natural, I rolled a 19 and he's like, okay, you hit. And I like punched my sister in the face in the tavern. And she took like 30 points of damage and we couldn't heal oh, her. I thought you literally punched her. I was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> he's like, it's intense. <laughs> But I did punch her right before a battle. So she wasn't at full health. <laughs> but she pissed me off so bad. But then we had to play with it. And he's like, well, you know, if somebody hadn't punched her sorcerer, I was like, sorcerer hadn't run her fucking mouth. This is awesome. It's What's so the show bad. called on Prime? It's called The Legend of Vox Machina. I'm going to text it to you right now. And just watch episode one. I think, I mean, it's so funny. You're going to, and you can just feel like these are friends playing this game. Nice. And you'll, I think you'll really like it. Thank you. Text it to you right now. You ready to do Ella? I am ready.